used to stand, I would stand in the living room and sing and I'd play the piano and I'd sing. Like that was, I did it all Videos were big. And I would stand and watch the videos and then move my mouth and the dance moves and everything. Oh the same as the people on TV. No, see, that there was... There are videos. See, where you were, you're younger than me. We didn't have video. We didn't have cable when I grew up. That's So true. I didn't have like MTV or anything like that. And really the most music that was in the house, I remember when I was a little kid... My parents have a record collection, which I have now, and my mom would play records. And so that that was like my early music, and I would dance around and sing to that because I knew that stuff. But it's a very weird, eclectic mix of records, but that's a story for another time. No, I mean, music was always big in our house, and yeah. so, no. It's just funny. When your mom said that, I was like, oh, it was a I secret was dream. about it. I would totally have been a singer if I had the talent to back it up. Well, duh. <laughs> Me too. Just, you know, hmm. darn talent wasn't there. So, here we are. Episode 9. <gasps> for Shut Up and Listen. Small Town Stories. With Sarah and Renee. <gasps> we just got back on track on Way accident. Way to mess with the system, Sarah. I did mess with the system. Okay, well, I didn't like that as well, but we'll do either. it for this episode okay. and move on. This has been... That was weird. A learning experience. Let's for hope us. that doesn't set the tone for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> yes, let's. <laughs> so, turnabout is fair play. Uh, yes, and I was so looking forward to this after I thought, let's do an episode about Renee. Yes, so today's episode is all about Sarah. <laughs> Yay. I, for one, am enthused. Wow. I am. Okay. Yes. You know, I'm a big Sarah fan, big cheerleader for Sarah. Please stop, for the love of God, please stop. I can't help myself. Okay. Because I'm getting a real sick sense of pleasure. I know you are. Because I know what this, weird, what that, like the root of that tone was. It's not all that positivity. It's like, haha, my turn to stick it to her. Okay. A little bit. But I'm going to try and stick to mostly the same questions. Okay. I'll throw in probably a couple of different ones. Of course you will. Because, well, your experience is a little different than mine. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with... What did you think you would do for a living as a child? <laughs> My jumping from potential career to career, like what I thought I would be when I grew up, has, was kind of like an indicator of what my life would actually become as an adult, <laughs> trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Um, it kind of like ran the gamut. As a kid, I think I remember like setting up my room with my stuffed animals and doing like classrooms and that kind of stuff so there was a little bit of wanting to be a teacher because I think I had some really great teachers as a kid to um there was a span to I thought oh a lawyer would be exciting not to the degree that you did I think that was more like I didn't put anyone on the stand and you know I was pretty intense <laughs> make them feel guilty um but when I graduated high school I um started college pursuing pre-med I thought that I would be a doctor so that's a whole kind of other thing that's a big jump from setting up like stuffed animals I know I know Hmm. I think it was just I I feel like it was a lot of I really love sciences I loved biology and you know a lot of people were like oh you should pursue medicine I think you'd be great at it and 
I guess I let those voices kind of speak greater than... I feel like I didn't really know myself graduating high school. I really didn't explore a lot of that. So I just kind of jumped right in and got to college and was like, ugh, I don't want to be in the library. I realized I was much more social than that. So I changed majors a couple times. So when you asked me about my background and how I ended up here... Your story is a little different because you've been here twice. Yes. I'm like, they recycle me. I came back. Oh, <laughs> don't say it that way. But so how did you end up as the chamber director the first time? So I ended up as the chamber director the first time. Um, I had graduated college. Um, I was living in Georgia when I graduated from college. So I graduated from the University of Georgia um, with a degree that really you needed to go to graduate school to do anything with. Um, I pursued psychology and sociology. Um, I went to Georgia, couple reasons. Um, one might have been chasing a boy at the time. I've heard that. Um, <laughs> but really they had a great ed- educational psychology program. And that's what I, I thought that, you know, in that moment, that's what I thought I wanted to pursue. Yep. Um, had moved back home. Knew I had to make some money for graduate school. Ran into um, an old friend's mother who was a school principal and was like, hey, I need subs. You have a bachelor. Can you come substitute teach for me? Started doing that. Realized I really did enjoy it. Um, Went and got my teaching certification. Um, And at that time, this was probably, oh gosh, early 2000s. Um, I had met who is now my husband, we had gotten married and I was trying to find a teaching job in the state of Ohio, which at that time was extremely hard. Okay. Um, we're in a very different situation now. The only jobs that I could find were in South Carolina and Nevada. And well, first of all, thank you for not going to Nevada or South Carolina. Mm-hmm. No problem. No happy. Happy didn't move. Um, so kind of long story short, uh, it didn't financially make sense for us to move across the country for a job at the time that would pay significantly less than what Andy was making, my husband. So I just started applying for jobs locally. Saw in the newspaper of all things, I feel like I'm dating myself by this entire story. (laughs) Um, And saw this position and thought, "Mm, why not? What do I have to lose? Um, Put my resume together, wrote a cover letter, sent it off, really didn't expect to hear anything. and, And got a call and interviewed and took the job. Just having no idea what I was walking into, Mm -hmm. really didn't know the position. Um, Spent three years as the chamber director, learned a tremendous amount, met some really great people. Um, When I was pregnant with my youngest daughter, um, I opted to step back and stay home. So I stayed home with my kids for eight years, ran a small business out of my house, and was actually looking to go back to graduate school to get a degree um, in family therapy and counseling. Because, go ahead. Well, I know where you're going to go. But let me ask the question before you get there. Yeah. So, how did you get here the second time? Sorry. It's fine. I got to ask my question. I fully admit I ramble. So, I'm just going to spill everything for you. That's why Um, I casually raised my hand. (laughs) Can I speak now, Sarah? (laughs) Stop talking, Sarah. Um, The second time, it it was kind of a random thing. Um... One of a a board member of the organization reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking for somebody. 
Would you be interested? And full disclosure, I wasn't. I I remember. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my husband and I was like, they, they want me to come and talk to him. And he goes, what's the worst that could happen? And I said, fine, I'll go. Went to lunch and here I am. Six years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest change that you see from your first stint as the chamber director to now? Partnerships. Um, I would say partnerships and relationships. I saw when I had invited to come back, part of that process was I met you. You were new in your role. Um, We sat down. We had conversations. I guess I immediately knew that the organizations involved were were ready for change, ready to try new things and kind of step out of those boxes that they've been in traditionally. The willingness to work together. It it was just a very different time and a very different environment that made me excited about the possibilities of what we could accomplish when I if if I came back. Yes. For our listeners, describe to them the chamber. <laughs> what does the chamber do? How has the chamber evolved, would you say, since you were here originally to now? So I'll start with what is the chamber? Ultimately, at the heart of it, the chamber is a member organization, and our whole purpose is to support our small businesses. So it's really we work for our members who are businesses in the community. And what that means, it runs the gamut from, you know, cost-saving programs that, that we can help them with, you know, between energy and health insurance to, you know, offering education, being a legislative advocate to just our members can pick up the phone and call us and say, hey, I have a question. I need help. And we may not have the answers or the resources ourselves, but we know where to send them. We know how to reach out and support them. And I think really at the heart of it, that's what it is, is we're here to help in any capacity that we can. How the chamber has changed since the first time I was here, I feel like the shift has changed from we're going to do these events and we're going to do these things this way because we've always done it that way Mm -hmm. Um, to really the focus has become on the member. How can we best help you? Um, A lot of people I think in the community saw us as we're always out there asking for things, raising money so we can do these events. So all of these things can happen to know when I go out and I talk to members or anyone, you know, involved with the chamber, whether it be our board or myself, It's how can we help you? What can we do? How can we be better serving you? And then also knowing the small businesses in our community and knowing the gaps in our community, we've really taken a stance on let's let's help foster development of small business through entrepreneurship programs, which is completely different than what we were doing before. Absolutely. What would you say is your favorite part of your job and your least favorite part of your job? My favorite, gosh, there are there are a lot of things that I really do love about this job. Um, I One of my favorite things is running the co-starters class and meeting one-on-one with people, whether it be the entrepreneurs or a small business owner that comes in. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I also enjoy our team. I just, I enjoy coming into the office and just the relationships that we have in the office. I think it's it's a great working environment and you talk about co-starters. I mean, you 
found that program, you brought that program to Faustoria. Um, we've now run four cohorts, served over 20 individuals through that program, seen businesses really come mm -hmm. to life from participants in the program. And I think people should know that you have spearheaded that entire initiative from start to finish. And a lot of the revitalization we're seeing downtown is because of this program and the resources that it has brought. That is really uncomfortable. I did that to you. I know. And it's very uncomfortable to sit here and hear that. <laughs> I know. But we're going to circle back okay. to your least favorite part oh, of your job. Least favorite. That one's hard. I didn't ask you that. I, I left that off the table for you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you don't like about your job, but maybe it's that thing that when it comes time to do it, it's like, oh, it's that time again. I, it would probably be like the budgeting and looking at the financials yep. every month. Like that is not, that's not fun for me. Yeah, I don't like it, but you have to do it. Yep, there's nothing sparkly about that. No. It's so, the tedious aspect of the job. It is. It's some of those like s smaller things, but really for the most part, that's kind of it. I enjoy everything else. Because well, it is different every single day. It is. And we're both list makers, which this cracks me up because we're religious list makers. Every week. And, you know, I'm going to get this, this, this. You know, we have all these things we're going to get done. And at the end of the day, oftentimes we're like, well, that didn't go as we thought. Because people are in and out. <laughs> Calls happen. So, you know, there's these pressing issues. and But, you know, we roll with it. I love it when people say, well, how was your day today? Were you productive? Life happened today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Or how was your day? Fine. Yeah. Anything interesting happened? And I think to myself, something interesting happens every single day, but I don't have the time or energy to talk I about know. it anymore. I get it. So, and this could be for your first time around or second time around in the chamber. Okay. Your discretion on this. What has been your biggest accomplishment or what are you most proud of? Ooh, I'm going to go with this go round. And what I'm most proud of, there's nothing that, again, it goes back to that we. There's nothing like I can say, oh, I, you know, am super proud of this because, you know, I did this. You mentioned co-starters. You know, we found it at a conference and brought it back and, and had some meetings and invited people from the community in and we just... Like, so, like, there's a number of things that we do. We come up with an idea and we're like, well, let's just try it. What's the worst that can happen? Yes. Um, thankfully, this was an awesome program. I guess that's one of the things that, as an organization, I think we're mo I'm, I'm most proud of is probably the co-starters and the push for entrepreneurship in the community. Which that's been a huge initiative for at least the last three years. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many people that have helped with that along the way. Yes. Again, back to the partnerships mm -hmm. that you referenced earlier. Yeah. So what is a little known fact about you or your job? I would like a little known fact about you. Mm. Cue dramatic pause while I think. I know the listeners can't see her face right now, but it's a look of complete disgust. I'm pretty sure Ashley's across from me, and I'm pretty sure she took a picture, so I'm sure the viewers will see it at some point in time. <laughs> I hope it gets out there. 
she's always, you know, ready to take such great photos. A little known fact about me to box and kickbox. Like, it is my favorite thing to do. Is this your I'm not, like, professional. Of- I'm not, like, looking to get into street fights or anything. But it's like therapy. I love it. Is this your way of letting the listeners know that you have some anger issues? Or don't mess with me in a dark alley. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, very interesting <laughs> note to sell. Actually, I'm, I'm a pretty passive person, generally, I'd like to say. But <laughs> your face. Okay. Your face. I don't think I would have gone that far. Oh, physically, physically yes, passive. Yes. You have ne- I've never seen you assault anyone in the office no. or anything like in that. In the so office. I would agree. <laughs> No, no, I guess that would be a fun fact about Sarah. Okay. You did ask me the best advice that I had ever been given. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you the same question. Just what somebody thinks about you, that doesn't dictate who you are. And once you let go of other people's opinions of you, it's incredibly freeing. It's a lesson that I think we would all be well served to learn at a young age. Absolutely. And I tell my kids that on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be everybody's cup of tea. They don't have to be your cup of tea. Just be kind. But you don't have to be their best friend. And it's important to note that I don't like everybody I meet. You don't like everybody right. you meet. So why should we expect everybody to like us? I know. Is it, it's, it sounds simple when you say it, but to live it is it's it's very, very difficult. difficult. It's very difficult. And I feel like it's something... I guess I'll, openly I've struggled with my entire life. It's like, oh, you know, I want to be liked. I want to be liked. And it's like at the end of the day, as long as I can look myself in the mirror and I'm proud of who I am, why is that not enough? It should be. So it there you go. absolutely should be. That is wonderful advice. And I hope Thank our you. listeners take it to heart. <laughs> it's the voice. It's the voice. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. So some rapid fire questions that you came up with. So I hope you have the answers at the tip of your tongue. Oh, so much pressure. If you could travel anywhere, where would it be? I would love to just take weeks and travel like all over Europe at my own pace. Like backpacking? No. I mean, I just think that mm, sounds like, No, oh, no. Oh. I mean, we can't, but I have a camper. I'm a glamper. So I would not backpack all over Europe. Not at this point in my life. I would like it to be slightly luxurious as well. But. At least a four-star hotel. Mm, yes. Okay. If you could buy anything, what would it be? Uh, I wrote that question, and I don't have an answer. If I could buy anything? I know. It's tough, because I really don't feel like I deprive myself now. I don't feel I like mean, you deprive yourself now. No. I mean, we're not living the high life, but... But no, and it's like... I wouldn't, like, go out and buy a bigger house because that's just more I'd have to take care it's of. It's work. I know. it's And this is going to sound lame, but, like, in this very moment in time, what would I buy if I had the funds available? If it's not, it better not be, like, some weird, foofy vacuum or something. Oh, no. Okay. I mean, it's a little nicer than that, but I would, like, completely duck out my backyard. Like... Get my whole, like, vision. Like, I'd get the pergola, the whole, like, outdoor girl. It's kind of lame, but I'm a middle-aged woman. This is the kind of stuff that, you know, makes me happy. It's not lame, (laughs) but I think this is a very stark comparison. Sarah would have her backyard done. Renee would buy a small island. There is a very big Because you would already have the small island, and I would come visit you. And you would be welcome. I would, you know, the small island thing is kind of, yeah. 
put a giant house on a small island. But you know what's weird? After I said that. a big old boat. Yeah. That's where my mind went after I said it. Think of the extra expense. I'm going to need a boat to get to the island. I'm going to need, you know, I'm going to want all new clothes to wear on the island. I'm like, this is going to cost me a fortune. Forget just the cost of the island. No, my first thought was, oh, like my dream house. And then I was like, but then you got to like upkeep it. And I, those, there was a time that I could have like rattled off all these extravagant things, but I don't know. I guess I'm like very grounded in reality right now. We're very practical these days. Oh, it's kind of sad. So who's your favorite coworker? Um, everyone. No, I mean, we are a great team. It's wonderful. But I think, you know, it's no secret that we get along and we're friends inside and outside of the office. So I don't like to play favorites, but we do enjoy our time together. That is so kind, Sarah. (laughs) I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So your dream job, Mm. do you have one? What would it be? I don't know. I don't know. And I joke that I have my dream job. And, you know, when I was home with my kids for eight years, like it was a luxury that like not everybody gets to have. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was living those eight years every day, did I wake up every day and go, oh, it's my dream job. Let me chase toddlers around and change diapers. You know, like, no, no. Because when your kids are that age, like, the days Again. are long. The days are long. response. It was a lot. And, you know, sometimes you just long for adult interaction. But looking back, I'm super, super grateful that I did that. But my dream job? Mm, serving you drinks on your small island. Margaritas, baby. <laughs> so, if you didn't work, what would you do? Oh, would you watch soap operas and no. eat bonbons? No, because it might get fat. <laughs> then I'd have to box every single day to burn off the bonbons. Um, I definitely know that I would fill my time. I would find mm-hmm. things like you. I would probably get involved in you know volunteer somewhere. Um, I would probably take on a million projects around my house, and mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't have any problem filling my time. Would I spend some days doing absolutely nothing? Yes, because it sounds glorious. It does. Glorious. Sarah, I want to thank you on behalf of FEDC, the community, the citizens of Fostoria. Oh my gosh. (laughs) As someone who... Has the honor and privilege of oh, working with see, you. You're going to end it so sincerely, and I just on a episode. daily basis. Mm. It is truly a pleasure. I get a first-hand look, a front-row seat to the work that you do, and you do make a difference in this community. Mm. And the work that you do is very much appreciated. So I thank you for your time today and for your honesty in this very special Sarah episode. <laughs> And we hope that our listeners have enjoyed it and that you will tune in for episode 10 in the coming weeks yes. of Shut Up and Listen, Small Town Stories with Sarah and Renee. We got back on track. Thank goodness. I really hated that first yes. one. It just well, did thank not you flow. for your kind words and they should go right back at you. So, because there are so many things in this community that would not be the way that they are and are going without your tremendous leadership. 
Sarah, this episode is all about you. Well, you know. So I'm going to ask that that please be cut out. Because it's all about you, Sarah. Through the magic of podcasting and the fine, fine talents of our producer, Ashley, I'm sure it can find its way to the proper episode. (laughs) 